Well, the emergence of smart cars has opened the door to limitless possibilities for technology and innovation, but also to threats beyond the car itself. New research from Michigan State University in the Journal of Crime and Justice is the first to apply criminal justice theory to smart vehicles, revealing cracks in the current system leading to potential cyber risks. And here to talk about his research is Thomas Holt. He's a professor of criminal justice at MSU, and Tom focuses his research on computer hacking, malware, and the role of the Internet in facilitating all manner of crime and deviance. So, Tom, it's good to have you on MSU today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Frame this issue for us. Automotive cybersecurity is an area we don't understand well in the social sciences particularly. Mm -hmm. How so? And again, kind of frame this issue for us. Yeah, so in general, when social scientists like myself look at computer hacking, we often think of it more from the standpoint of economic attacks or to a lesser extent, nation-state kind of attacks like recently with Iran. But we haven't started thinking about the vehicle as a space of concern. We're more thinking about laptops, cell phones, the traditional equipment we're using. And since smart vehicles are an increasing part of the overall automotive sector, it's important that we begin to think, what are the threats and how do we minimize them? So how do hackers go about hacking into your car? What, what bad things can they do? Well, right now, thankfully, <laughs> there's not as much as we might think they can do. Still, it's about physical access to the vehicle in some way. So often, if you're familiar with, uh, like, say, insurance commercials where they say you just plug this thing into your car, that little port that you plug things into is where most hackers currently have to have access. But as we get more and more vehicles with smart technology, with the ability to connect to the Internet or to connect your vehicle through an app, that that increases the opportunity for attackers to get inside of your vehicle or to cause harm. So describe your research. What did you do? What did you find? So we've been looking at the common attack vectors that can be used by hackers to affect vehicles. And we've also been looking at communities where people are talking about how to modify vehicles. So these are more like hobbyists or people who are really into cars, talking about how do I capture data within the vehicle? How do I get access to certain codes that are passed within the vehicle through what's called the CAN bus? So hacking the CAN bus is really the optimal target for an attacker because that's where everything is being controlled. What is routine activities theory, which you based your research on? Explain that to us. Yeah, so routine activities theory is a relatively straightforward theory. It basically argues that you have to have someone who's motivated, whether it's economic, sexual, whatever the case might be, someone who wants to do something wrong, someone who can be there to potentially protect the target. So if you have, say, software guardians, if we're thinking about infecting a laptop or a cell phone, or in the context of a car, is there a cybersecurity component or program that can be used to help minimize that threat. So in the absence of a guardian and a presence of a motivated offender and a suitable target, you're likely to have crime. So if you can affect any one of those variables, you might decrease the risk of crime. So how do these cybersecurity issues differ from like a typical equipment recall? Boy, that's a really good question. When we think about, say, your cell phone or your laptop, you can download updates that'll patch over security vulnerabilities and make it safer to use the device. But for cars, we don't know if that's present yet. We don't have that same degree of kind of clarity of how the devices work. And so we have to find inroads to make consumers aware, 
Here's your risk points. We have to make manufacturers aware you've got to do some education to your consumer base so they know here's what you have to do to protect your vehicle. And we also have to think through how the risk of remote attack could increase the likelihood of harm. And we're not talking about just having a, a computer go offline. Instead, we're thinking critically about a device, if it's in the road and it's being used, you've got potential loss of life, you've got um, damage to persons, to property, all kinds of things. So we might have to rethink insurance frameworks. We may have to think about how we, say, license people to use vehicles. If you've got a smart vehicle compared to, say, like a 1990 Buick, yeah. <laughs> how those things work. So, Tom Holt, I mean, what do we do to combat this? I'm sure the auto companies in Silicon Valley are are all over this, but what are some of your recommendations? So we often suggest that consumers really understand what it is that they're buying and ask a lot of questions and take the time to understand and simply ask, explain to me what this does. We also are arguing that manufacturers have to become much more transparent about communicating these risks and making vulnerabilities, the way in which attacks can be performed, known to the public. It's still something of a black box. The challenge is that, uh, say like with an iPhone, there's different versions of iPhone software, there's different models, but it's a smaller segment compared to, say, all the different product lines within Chrysler or Tesla or any other manufacturer. And since there's variations within all of those product lines in terms of how smart the vehicle is, you've got a lot of differential risk. And so making that information clear to the public is really important. So as you advance the research, Tom, what's next? What are you looking at as this field rapidly grows and becomes more prevalent? So we're really trying to optimize the amount that our research connects with the actual computer security with the cybersecurity research community. Because as social scientists, we can understand the way that the humans are interacting with the vehicle, the way the attackers are thinking about the vehicle, but that doesn't necessarily inform building the software, creating the components, and building better mousetraps to help minimize attacks. So we've got to combine the two fields together, both the, sec the technical and the social, to do it better. But in general, we're also expanding out our work and looking at different vectors of attack. So with vehicles, right now it may be economic, maybe, but nation states might be thinking about how to harm vehicles, particularly in, say, like a military context or in a government context. So we're trying to do some work now to understand how nation states are engaging in cyber attacks and whether that's against civilian targets, military or otherwise. So that way we know what's the scope of harm looking like. Well, Tom, you mentioned nation states and hacking. I think most of us lately, when we hear about hacking, think about elections. Mm -hmm. Just your thoughts on the coming election and some potential problems and fixes. Boy, one of the biggest issues with respect to election security is not only the security of the voting machine, so the equipment that you're using to vote with. If you're in a city or a state that uses electronic voting, make sure you get some type of receipt that says, here is the specific set of individuals I voted for. Or if nothing else, take a picture of who you voted for. Because in the end, if you see it's different from what you actually entered, that's something you have to report. And we don't know how secure all these devices are. We have assumptions. We know there are only so many manufacturers that produce them. But the extent to which, say, a board of elections actually implements all their proper security is somewhat unknown. 
So not only on the equipment side, but we also have to really think through the public messaging around elections. So in the prior election, there was a lot of concern about social media as a platform for misinformation. The same thing is happening now, and we've got to be better informed. You can't just take what you see on Facebook or Instagram as fact. You've got to take the time to sort of pick apart, what am I looking at? Where's the source of this information? Is it legitimate? Because if it isn't, don't believe it. Don't spread it. Don't share it. That immediate desire to share something with other people means you might just be furthering the problem rather than helping people understand something. Well said, Tom Holt. So as we as we close, let's get back to the cars and just summarize the key issues around cybersecurity that we're looking at and what drivers should know. So right now, thankfully, the, the smart vehicle portions of the automotive sector are still relatively small. So we're talking about a small slice of people who may be affected. That doesn't minimize it in any way, but at least it means we're not thinking about, say, like the scope of ransomware that's been hitting city after city. But for the average consumer, you should really start thinking through what type of sophisticated equipment is within my car. Do I have an app that connects my vehicle and my phone together so I can say remote start or change different things on the fly? Make sure you're using hard passwords. Use some very simple steps that are going to help minimize your potential risk. Don't respond to emails that you think are coming from your automotive manufacturer. If you see, hey, that email address doesn't actually look right. If it's coming from honda.co.uk, well, that's not the right Honda address, is it? So there are these simple methods that individuals can take at the moment to help secure themselves. But more broadly, we've got to think through how do we get the automotive sector and the insurance sector and everybody else in the same mode of thinking about cyberspace as a, as a threat. That's Thomas Holt. He's a professor of criminal justice at Michigan State University. He's been telling us about his research that you can check out in more detail in the Journal of Crime and Justice. Tom, thanks for your work and for telling us about it. Sure. Thanks for having me. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.